Howdy, my name is Britton Ryan Straw. Since 2011, Buckethead has released 341 albums in his Pike series, and I'm listening to them three at a time. This is Getting Head, a Bucket Cast. <laughs> Welcome, jerks, smirks, and kirks, mercs, herks, irks, and urkles, Angela Merkels, purple nurples, and Birkenstock workers, searchers, lurkers, poodle skirters, and feelings herders, murderers, sheep herderers, John Herder, and other Mormons and bench warmerers, terra firmerers, Terran herderers, learnerers, sergers, acquisitions and mergerers it's time for more so get on in we'll have a blast if you can't take it there's the door and watch your ass because it's episode 104 of getting head a bucket cast hello what's up i'm Britton ryan straw this is a uh, it's episode 104 Getting head of bucket cast. What's a what's a hundred four? What's interesting about a hundred four? Let's see. It is the atomic number of Rutherfordium. Rutherfordium, named after New Zealand-born British physicist Ernest Rutherford, who uh, who Ernest of the Ernest series of films is also named after. Most people don't know that. That's a lie. Um, let's see what else we got in regular geometry. One hundred and four is the smallest number of unit line segments that can exist in a plane with four of them touching at every vertex. Who fucking cares? I don't even know what that really means. I mean, I, I fucking, I ace geometry. I'm, I'm a math whiz. I just hate math. Like, you put me in a math class, I pass it. No problem. Just ace the tests. I learn it real easy. Just look through the book. I'm like, oh, that's the rules. Okay, fine. Um, math's just super goddamn boring to me. Hate it. Uh, fuck it. What else do we got here? Um... 104 number of degrees Fahrenheit corresponding to 40 Celsius. That's actually good to know. That's good to know. You know, it's, uh, it means, uh, you know, you say it's, it's 40 Celsius out. That means it's fucking hot. Like, I don't really want to be like, I love really hot weather. I don't think I want to be out in over a hundred, you know, 104 slash 40 Celsius degree weather. I think that's a good limit. Like, I like it's super muggy. Uh, you know, like a hundred percent humidity and maybe like 85 or 90 degrees. That's my sweet spot. I like that mug mug. I like walking outside and just like sweating. I like a sweat, maybe like a sweat. Okay. That's weird. I'm going to stop that. What else do we got for 104? Oh, here's a good one. 104, um, is the number of guns on Admiral Horatio Nelson's flagship HMS victory, uh, of, uh, Horatio Hornblower kind of, kind of, and, uh, also isn't there an Admiral Nelson's, um, Rum. I think there's an Admiral Nelson's rum. I want to say that's like the uh, kind of the cut rate uh, Captain Morgan's. There's a spiced rum with some fucking white guy who killed a bunch of natives on it. You know, good times. It's the number of symphonies written by Joseph Hayden upon which numbers are agreed. Although he wrote more, I guess, according to Wikipedia. So I don't even know what that means. All right. And last but not least, here's the fascinating one. It's the number of keys on a standard Windows keyboard. That's real fun. Oh, so what is going on with you this week? Uh, what's interesting? What's happening? Um, 
what do we got in the news? What do we got in news and politics? Let's see. Of course, we've got um, fucking Florida is getting their ass blasted. on. I think pretty much the whole Southeast is getting absolutely fucking blasted by uh, Hurricane Ian right now. Several dozen people have died. That's really bad. Um, let's see. Joe, uh, Joe, Joe Brandon uh, announced that he's going to be pardoning uh, everyone who's ever been convicted of simple marijuana possession under federal law, which is only like 6,000 people and nobody currently in federal prison whatsoever. So it's, you know, it's uh, one of those very, very Brandon, oh, here, I'm going to do a thing everybody likes. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. And then like two minutes later, they're like, oh, this is brutally means tested to where it actually like does nothing for anybody on a real material level. It like might help some people get jobs easier. 6,000 people get jobs easier. You know, that's nice. But that's not like a headline thing at all. That's like a very quiet executive action you pass. Like that's not, I mean, I think they're thinking, oh, we're, we're playing politics for real now. We're just going to help us in the midterm. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like a compromise. So it doesn't, and it's means tested to where it doesn't actually like help anybody. Just like we saw him fucking claw back the, the goddamn, you know, student loan stuff like all the the private privately held student loans that were bought for pennies on the dollar still fucking do which is goddamn bullshit so fuck that um see what else do we got um someone was shot multiple times here in seattle that's interesting uh jill biden tells seattle audience of hell uh of helping a friend after an abortion in 1960s great okay so Jill Biden's friend had an abortion in the 60s. That's, I'm going to be honest. That's like, why are they telling these stories? Like, these are from 60 years ago? She's telling a story from 50 or 60 years ago as though it has any relevance on today. And like, yeah, great, you had to fight for abortion rights back then, and now we have to again. But I wonder whose fault it is we have to fight for it again. Maybe, maybe... Maybe your husband, who's been in, in power, at, at the seat of power, or very near it, and had its ear for the last fucking 30, 40 years, maybe, maybe he has something to do with it. Maybe. Anyway, speaking of politics, um, I found out this week uh, something super fascinating. Is it fascinating? I don't know. It's, um, <sighs> I'm going to say it's, uh, it's relieving in a way. Um, this actually provides, okay. So, uh, I was hanging out uh, yesterday. Um, if you don't know, uh, you know, I do another podcast, Soy Trek, and, uh, we started making merch and we've actually become like very successful very quickly to where we've had to like, you know, buy a bunch of equipment to keep up with production and like keep costs lower and stuff like that. And so because of that, we're doing pretty much all of our own in-house uh, merch production at this point. And so I had my, uh, you know, my co-host and co-merch producer and friend, uh, Pat, over uh, yesterday um, just for like a day where we were, I was showing him some stuff on how to screen print shirts and like uh, he brought over like his button maker so we could figure out exactly like what we were doing with like the printing on our second button maker because we made so much fucking money on the first set sets of buttons that we have to expand. And uh, so, you know, we were figuring that all out. And uh, we were just talking about something about like, you know, crazy right wingers and like new age right wingers and stuff. And he's like, hey, that, uh, you know, that girl you used to date. And I was like, um, I don't know, I've dated a lot of girls. But are you talking like, uh, and I'm tr trying to think back of like, 
the girlfriends that I've had that he's actually met. And I was like, are you talking like Anne? And he's like, yeah, Anne. And so like, I guess some backstory here, like Anne was the, I mean, last person I was in a relationship with that I actually lived with. Um, you know, and that was whew, five years ago at this point, back in my, back in my late twenties. And that was kind of a, I don't know. We were both in a bad place and we both like got together and then like immediately encountered our own respective, like greatest mental illness struggles in our lives respectively. And so it like, um, it was just a bad time for the both of us. I'll say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a much healthier place now. I'm worried she isn't though, because, um, according to Pat, uh, like he had to stop following her on Instagram because she has become like a new age right winger, like an absolute nutter about it. Like, um, it, it, like to the point where he had to stop following her, uh, soon after like the January 6th attempted insurrection stuff happened because she was posting stuff on her timeline on Instagram that was like, uh, the, you know, the fucking QAnon shaman. He's like the, the divine male or something. And I guess she's like super anti-vax now and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of things I don't believe at all. And, you know, this is a person, this is the, maybe the only person I've ever considered, Hey, maybe am I going to like marry this person and spend the rest of my life with them? Um, and so, you know, Pat told me that, and I've had, I've had weird feelings because like it ended poorly for the both of us. And I, it always was in the back of my head, like, you know, we were obviously compatible in a lot of ways and we did care about each other and care for each other in a lot of ways. But, it, you know, the timing was terrible. Um, I, I was not in charge of my own head, my own emotions. I went on Wellibutrin, which literally like drove me insane. Um, and then, you know, she was dealing with her own respective struggles that I'm not going to really talk about because that's her own private stuff and I don't want to spread her dirty laundry. But needless to say, we were both, you know, struggling at that time. And so it, I've wondered for years, for, you know, for the past like five years, six years, seven years maybe since we've broken up. Um, I've always wondered, like, if, if only one of us was struggling or if neither of us was struggling, like would it have worked out and would we still be together? And, um, you know, it's always been in the back of my mind. There's never been closure, I guess is my point. I've never really had any sort of closure on the matter other than that. I was the one to decide to end the relationship and she, you know, she was like, please don't go, you know, we can, we can make this work. And I was like, no, honestly, it's too late. I don't think we can make this work. And so we didn't. And, um, it, uh, I don't know. That was, probably one of the most important and impactful decisions I've kind of made in my life. And it, it, in as much, in a way it has actually haunted me, I'd say, I'd say it would like, it has legitimately haunted me. And so never had any closure on that or anything. And then Pat says this and like, I was like, she what? And then he tells me all of the shit and like, I just like nervously laugh and have like, I don't know, in, epiphatical moment or something within those, you know, within like a few seconds. And I was like, Oh my God, I can, I can just move on. Like I could literally not have asked for a better form of closure than knowing that my ex has become a crazy right wing hippie like that 
is deeply fulfilling in a way that I can't really express. I just think it is some rad motherfucking shit. Speaking of rad shit, y'all want to hear some motherfucking goth news? Let's get into it, motherfucking bats and ghouls. Goth news. Goth news. Hey, look at that. It's goth news. What's happening in the dark world this week? This week in goth news. Somebody remade the goth horror classic Hellraiser. (laughs) For some fucking reason, somebody, I mean, namely Hulu, in conjunction with a guy named David Bruckner, who's the dude who co-wrote and directed The Signal and uh, one of the segments on VHS. Um, It's being written by the guys who he always works with. Uh, Why somebody would decide to remake the horror movie from the 1980s that has aged probably better than any other, save maybe The Thing, is completely beyond me. But what do I know? I'm, you know, just a movie goth. So, so far the film has received mixed reviews. Uh, It is like barely fresh on Rotten Tomatoes um, and is a far cry from the universal praise that the original film had. But the project was originally slated to be helmed by the guys responsible for Dracula 2000 as well as Drive Angry starring Nicolas Cage. So at least we can rest assured that the movie could have been far, far worse given the original people attached to the project. I, I guess. Moving on in goth news. This week, it was announced that fashion and accessory retailer Hot Topic will be taking their first steps into digital and metaverse fashion through a collaboration with Roblox. Yeah, Roblox. Hot Topic and Roblox. Hot Topic x Roblox. Hot Topic versus Roblox. Hot Topic will be releasing a Halloween Forever collection, a series of exclusive avatar items and virtual replicas of Hot Topic um, original clothing, which is... Okay. Although it will need no introduction to children or parents, uh, this podcast is too old for children and far too irresponsible for parents, so I assume you, the listener have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about when I say Roblox. So here's some context. Roblox is something of a massive multiplayer online game that takes form more of a digital meeting place and social forum. Like um, if you remember like Club Penguin or maybe Neopets, like cross that with maybe an EverQuest and uh, give it the aesthetic of like Lego Island. Yeah, I know I'm giving you all some very like late 90s, early 2000s reference here, but... If you're listening to this podcast, I assume you get all of those. And if you don't, what are you, what are you doing here? I think you're lost. I think, I think you were looking for a podcast about actually getting head. That's not this. Well, I mean, it, like, kind of. You know, you could really make the argument it is about oral sex mostly and Buckethead secondarily. But, you know, that's just an argument you can make. Anyway, so... Roblox is perhaps seen as the largest entry point at the moment for brands to access and integrate into the metaverse, uh, boasting tens of millions of active users. The Hot Topic items will be sold across a variety of points within the game, covering venues that boost a combined page visit count of over 3 billion in total, which is a lot of unique visits for any fucking site. That's insane. That's a huge platform. So, uh, you know, good on... 
hot topic for jumping into the metaverse. I'm just kidding. Fuck the metaverse. Fuck digital meeting places, meeting spaces. Like, yeah, I get that it's going to be a thing in the future, but go outdoors, talk to people. Like, come on, we're, we're really losing our sense of like actual community and community project by like doing everything online. Yeah. And maybe you can be part of something cool on GitHub that like makes a cool tool or something like that. And that's fine. And open source software does have a lot to be said for it in building communities digitally. But you know, everything at this point is all commodified and bullshit. And you know, these meetings places, these digital places are nothing but fucking virtual malls meant to like get your goddamn money and pry it out of your hands one way or another. And it's so much easier for them on a, on a digital plane because they don't have to really hire anybody to staff it. They don't have to deal with HR or anybody. You know, they can just block certain words. And if you say those, you're fucking out of there. And, uh, you know, the digital meeting space and, and nobody is ever held accountable. You know, you can't ask to go to the manager. Uh, you know, the best you can do is get some fucking chat of some guy who's like, you know, uh, 5,000 miles away from you talking in a developing country from like, you know, their brand new land internet. Um, he, he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He has no say in the business. Like, you know, we're no longer connected to our businesses and the metaverse is really the next step of that, of being completely disconnected from everything. And, you know, it used to be, they used to say that, you know, like, um, Capitalism is like democracy where you vote with your dollar and in a digital place, that's especially when you, with the scalability of digital places like Amazon, uh, you know, digital marketplaces, you, you can't responsibly vote with your dollar when there's only one really good option. You know, when you can vote from uh, vote, yeah, I guess, spend your dollar to the original manufacturer. And even if they have like, the best shipping available, it still costs you, costs them much more than Amazon's ever going to pay for shipping. And so they can't do the fastest and freest shipping like Amazon has, you know? And so, you know, you're only really left with one sensible vote slash spend for that dollar. And that's with the place that is cheapest, fastest, and can afford to lose the money on you returning your item and them just throwing it the fuck away. And that's, that's what the scalability is all about. And that's why fucking Amazon lost money, hemorrhaged money for the first 10 years of their existence, but they got enough people to pour money into it to where they built all of the infrastructures and lost so much money on the infrastructure that they could write it off on their taxes for the next decade. So they never have to pay taxes. And on top of that, they now have the infrastructure to edge everybody out of the market with price and convenience the two things that matter most when it comes to buying material quantities. And so, fuck Amazon. Unfortunately, I am forced to buy a lot of things on Amazon because they're really one of the only options when, you know, especially when making merch and stuff, uh, it's either that or order the stuff from China and have it, you know, delivered six to eight weeks later. And if there's something wrong with it, I am shit out of luck. So, you know, it kind of fucking sucks. So maybe fuck you, Hot Topic. Moving on in goth news, we have a very unfortunate goth obituary this week. As some of you may know, I am a big, 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 big wrestling enthusiast, and this week we lost one of the greatest heroes of all time in wrestling, Antonio Inoki, founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and inarguably 
the biggest and most lasting figure in all of Japanese wrestling. Oftentimes drawn comparison to both Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan, but without any of the numerous, numerous negative connotations both of those men have. Onoki was also involved in politics, having surprisingly good policies, especially for a businessman, including pacifism, non-interventionalism, and sustainable green development. Anoki became known worldwide uh, when given a mixed martial arts bout against Muhammad Ali in 1976 in Tokyo, which would end in a draw and be very controversial due to several rules introduced just days before the match that severely limited Anoki's moveset. So enjoy the big squared circle in the sky, Killer Anoki. Rest deeply, dream on, and most importantly, my friend, stay dead. And finally in goth news this week, this week, goth and pizza patriarch Papa John Schnatter has been roundly criticized for complaining that he lost a home in Florida this week as a result of Hurricane Ian. Schnatter, whose net worth was estimated by Forbes to be around $1 billion five years ago, is the owner of an expansive real estate mini-empire that spans at least 20 homes and properties throughout the United States, including a $6 million condos in Naples, Florida, that was recently hit by Hurricane Ian. Earlier this week, Schnatter told OAN that his property in Naples suffered damage from the Category 4 storm, which left dozens dead and brought a record rainfall to many parts of Florida. In the clip that it's been widely reposted and criticized online. Schnatter, who is now 60, was speaking from one of his other properties, this one in Utah. He said, quote, It gives you a little bit of perspective as to how devastating the storm is. I'm not worried about myself because I have the resources and the team and the institutional knowledge to get through this. Which is, I mean, unquote, by the way. Uh, that That's really fucking tone deaf. Um... Just saying, oh, I'm not worried, but, you know, this gives perspective while people are actually dying is not very sensitive, um, especially he, after he said, he said, oh, I lost a home, but some people lost their lives. It's like, don't, don't draw that comparison. Don't even say you lost a home. Nobody cares about your loss of a home. People lost their fucking lives, as you said, like, yikes. Um, also, pretending he has the institutional knowledge uh, to get through the storm, like, by himself is incredibly disingenuous and shitty as fuck. As though if he were caught in the storm by himself, he'd have any sort of fucking knowledge that would have saved him. What a fucking dickhead. It's not certain exactly what the extent of damage even is to Schnatter's Naples property. He might have not even lost the home. One thing is certain, however. Schnatter stepped down as CEO of Papa John's in 2018, after he blamed declining sales on football players protesting the treatment of black people in America, causing their stock to fall 30%. He then used the N-word during a conference call. Goth News! Oh boy, that was Goth News! Oh man, gosh. Well, so, let's see, what's happening? What's happening in the world? Already talked about some news, talked about kind of what's going on in my life. Oh, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story... Well, actually, you know, I have I have a I have a song to accompany with the story, so I'm actually going to play some music in a little bit um, to really flesh out exactly um, this. So, uh, backstory, I guess, backstory to the story. Uh, this this Tuesday, I want to say, I'm recording on Saturday now, and uh, I want to say on Tuesday, I was here working from home, you know, doing some of my home business stuff, making some merch and shit. 
And I'm kind of, you know, bored, restless. I'm more, more restless and bored. You know, I have, I always have something to do around here and I can always make something else, something up for myself to do. But, um, I was kind of restless. I had just been like kind of working all day at a couple of my jobs and I was just like, eh, and so I, um, you know, I just cruise onto, uh, Instagram, see what's up with the world, check, check my meme pages and shit like that. And one of my friends is like, Hey, uh, do you want to go to a drag show tonight? My friend is singing. I'm like, like doing a lip sync and she's like, no, 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 actually like doing vocal singing. And I was like a singing drag queen. That's, that's interesting that, I mean, it's very rare. Uh, if you've never been to like a drag show or anything, like most of the time drag is its own form of art. And a lot of it is like somewhere between comedy and also like uh, its own performance art. And a lot of it is, you know, lip syncing. That's a big thing in the drag world. Uh, and a big reason lip syncing is usually done is a lot of these people are, you know, uh, AMAB, assigned male at birth. And so um, a lot of them have kind of deeper voices and they're singing, you know, songs with like female leads. You got a lot of shit like fucking, uh, you know, Madonna and stuff like that, that is very difficult to do if you have a deeper voice, uh, especially if you don't have a super high range or anything like that. And so, and so I'm immediately like interested because like the singing drag queens you actually hear are amazing singers. Uh, like one in particular, Jinx Monsoon, who's actually um, from here. Uh, I actually talked with him back and forth on Grinder for a little bit. Unfortunately, never got to hit. I would love to um, work that that NB um, bussy out. Anyway, um, so, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty difficult. So I'm usually very like surprise and not surprised just like usually when a drag queen decides to sing they're pretty fucking good and so i'm like and it's you know a friend of my friend and my friend's like super glam super super fam and i'm like okay so it's her friend this could actually probably be pretty good and I, i'm also fucking restless as shit so you know what what the fuck i would love to go see the show with you so she's like cool uh you'll like my friend cat too i'm like neat sounds good see you there so show up to this place. Uh, it's actually pretty packed. There's like no sitting room anymore or anything. So I'm like, okay, I'll uh, find a place to stand. And I find like a corner stand. And then, you know, my friend Roz and uh, her friend Kat show up and uh, Roz is dressed very, uh, incredibly cottage core wearing a day dress and like a, uh, a knit sweater on top of it. And I'm like, um, you know, you're at like a gay drag show, right? And she's like, shut up. <laughs> Uh, but her friend, her friend's outfit was unreal. She was, she was dressed as like a pumpkin uh, and she had even like a beret that was like orange with like a little leaf on top. And then she had these shoes that were, um, like fucking Austin Powers, 1960s type sandal shoes with huge pumps on them. They were fucking unreal. Like she was, she was killing it. Amazing, amazing fit. Actually, we just had amazing fits all around. We were a very styling group of people. So, you know, we're there at the drag show and there's some interesting drag stuff. There was like a drag king who was like very young and did something with context that I did not understand at all. It was probably in a, like a young people's movie or like, I don't know, a young people song. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here. So that kind of sucked. There was, you know, uh, just a burlesque performer that did like some Madonna stuff, which was fine. And like her costuming was really good, but you know, it's a drag show. I don't really want to see burlesque stuff too much, but 
Then, uh, then the the highlight of the night, I'd say, came uh, where there was uh, one uh, drag performer who did this entire thing, like his Cruella Deville, and I love me some Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville is like goth royalty, and you know me, I'm goth. Um, you know, maybe the Killing Puppies thing isn't great, but like the drag queen did a great camp thing where they like played out like hacking up the puppies and making a cape out of them and stuff, and it was like super funny. It was incredibly camp. I had a really good time. So there was that. Then they had an intermission. So we went outside. I smoked some weed, um, you know, hung out um, and went back inside. Uh, you know, the show continued a little bit. The burlesque performer went again. And then it was time for uh, my friend's friend to come on. So my friend's friend comes on and uh, it's, um, you know what? I think here is where I'm going to play the music. Uh, if you don't want to listen to this or you start listening to it, just know that the song is about three and a half minutes long. Uh, at this point, we're at about, I don't know, maybe like 29 minutes. So if you don't want to hear this, maybe skip to like 32, 33 minutes. Um, it's, it is, it's rough, baby. All right, here we go. Here's Angela Visalia's Southeast Monster. <laughs> Oh, you ever were was an anchor You just held me down I casted you out But I always seem to drift back to you I can't let you go I still I don't know All you ever were was a monster Destroying everything in your path And all you ever did was conquer of my heart and I'll never get it back I would if I could but I can't Now I'll never be whole again 
me for the southeast. So, so that happened. That definitely happened. Um, afterwards, like, we had to, like, debrief. Like, me and my friend Roz and her friend Kat, like, went outside and we just, we just had to talk about how misguided and bad and confusing this music was. I still can't, I can't quite explain exactly what I saw. Um, I will just say it is one of the worst and funniest things I've ever seen performed live. And it really says, and actually one of my, one of my theories about this, and I know it's wrong, but I like to make up little like headcanon theories about wild fucking shit. And I like to believe that this person is playing a character, but it's very postmodern and elaborate. And they are doing a character because like at the show, everybody was like cheering for them and cheering them on. And I'm like, uh, and like being loud about it. And like, I'm like, nobody should be encouraging this. Like I gave like a golf clap just be, to be polite. But like some people were like yelling your name and stuff. I'm like, this is, th so I like to believe that this person is playing a character that is a deep, deep satirization on the over acceptability of bad art in the drag community. And I guess in like LGBTQ art in general, like people just like accept bad art and bad artists. And, um, you know, it's, it happens in the straight art world all the time, but it, it seems to be especially bad in the performance area of drag art. Like if you just put makeup on your face, they will literally let you on the stage on a stage at a drag performance. Like it's a fucking open mic. And, uh, I, you know, I like the, you know, straight people have open mics to go to, to where they can just crash and burn and fuck up real bad. And no one really cares. Cause it's, you know, it's open mic. It's kind of fun to go and watch people fuck up. But this was, this was like a monthly show that wasn't an open mic. And so it was, um, you know, I have my theories. I think it could be a postmodern satirization, but I know it's not. I know this is just somebody who is misguided, deeply untalented, completely untrained and educated in the field that they want to go into. And, you know, it's just one of those things that, like, if you do something for a first time, like any kind of art project, really, maybe you should scrap the first draft and never talk about it to anybody. You know, screen printing, my first set of shirts, I fucked them up. No one's ever going to see them. I'm going to throw them in a fucking barrel and set it on fire. And um, this music, I believe, deserves that kind of treatment. Anyway, um, let's, uh, let's talk about some music that's a little, maybe a little bit better than that. That's a... Uh, a little bit easier to listen to. Let's uh, maybe get into a bucket fact. Here we go. Bucket fact, 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 bucket fact. 
facts. Hey, bucket fact. All righty. What's going on this week? This week, we are going to dive deep into another one of Buckethead's earlier collaborations. This time with a painter, filmmaker, organist, pianist, vocalist, and songwriter. This time, it's a guy named Julian Schnabel. So Schnabel first came to prominence in the Houston, Texas art scene in the 1970s, where he quickly gained notoriety for his elaborate pieces made with broken ceramics. His most public work is likely the cover for Red Hot Chili Peppers' 2002 album, By the Way, which gives him another strange connection to Buckethead, who tried out for the Red Hot Chili Peppers in the early 1990s. Um... In the 90s, he met Bill Laswell through the New York art scene and proposed a collaboration between the two. Soon, an album full of material materialized and was recorded. Of course, this being a Bill Laswell-produced project, we see a lot of other regulars uh, from his kind of rotating, revolving-door cast of people come through the album. We have, of course, Buckethead. Anton Fire, uh, the drummer who we talked about, I think, last week, who passed away last month yeah just like two weeks ago unfortunately uh, we also have the late great bernie worrell of course and frequent laswell guitarist nikki scopolitis scopolitis that's a sick-ass name scopolitis scopolitis i don't know it's greek as fuck and it's sick as fuck that's all i know anyway the album uh altogether has a fairly 1990s pop aesthetic uh with some grunge or softer grunge elements um, from like maybe groups like Pearl Jam, coupled together with very organ-heavy 90s pop, uh, reminiscent of, you know, the Wallflowers, Gin Blossoms, a lot of the stuff, you know, artists from like the 70s and 80s were doing in the 90s. Um, the vocals are kind of meandering and just all kind of love poetry and unfortunately are probably the weakest part of the album. Uh, Schnabel does a very spoken word almost like sing-talking kind of thing. Like, uh, they make uh, fucking actors who can't sing at all do when they join, like, a Broadway musical. It's just not... It's not great. Um, I, I think they talk about sing-talking in... Um, oh, God. Uh, fucking home movies. Brennan, Brennan Small's home movies. Great, great program. Sing-talking. Um, is that on the... I think that might be on the, the Kafka the Musical episode, which is really one of the greatest things ever committed to cartoon. Anyway, um, the sing talking is kind of a Bob Dylan mixed with like modern Bruce Springsteen kind of thing. Although it's like maybe worse. It's just not, not good. The guy's not a natural singer. Uh, one thing that's interesting to note is the large amount of background and backing vocals credited for the album. Uh, out of about the 25 artists and instrumentalists on the album, including Buckethead, about half of which are credited with vocals, uh, Buckethead included. Which makes me wonder where, when, and even if Buckethead's vocals actually exist here. So, after the album, uh, Schnabel would mostly give up on music. Going back to art, and even more so film now, uh, becoming highly regarded for his biopic of Jean-Michel Bisquat, and later won a Golden Globe for Best Director, as well as an Oscar nod for his brilliant adaptation of The Diving Bell and the Butterfly which, if you haven't seen, is, like, very hopeful and triumphant, but also, like, one of the saddest things you'll see in your life. I'd actually recommend it. Very good movie. But uh, the album is all right. Um, unless you're really into that 90s sound and, you know, that kind of, like, spoken word-type poetry sing-song shit, 
I really wouldn't recommend the album to many bucket bots. It's not very Buckethead. Um, and even like you can sometimes tell when Buckethead's playing, but a lot of the stuff he plays, I think, is interchangeable with uh, Nicky uh, Scopolitis, whatever. Nicky Scopolitis. Um, a lot of clean playing, not a lot of like Buckethead, Buckethead type stuff. Um, really, where the in, you know, the album shines is obviously going to be in Bill Laswell's production. And of course, all of the brilliant instrumentation from a wide cast of very, very competent uh, studio musicians. Other than that, man, it's an all right album. And I guess that's the bucket back for the week. We listen to three more pikes. Hey, we listened to three more pikes this week. Pikes 315, 316, and 317. We got Arboretum, Angel Wings, and Live Feathers, respectively. So, um, yeah, let's just kind of jump right in, I guess. We'll, uh, we'll start on Pike 315 Arboretum, released on June 14th, 2022, 11 days after Rooster Coaster. Um, and I love Rooster Coaster, by the way. This is a very drastic departure from the type of album Rooster Coaster was, which was that very frantic, frenetic, kind of Jeopardy backwards, mescatonic scale, um, you know, uh, roller coaster track repair, that kind of very manic, ferocious, metal, crazy, different manic ideas popping up all over type of album. Um, yeah, this one is all clean, electric, acoustic, nylon string for the most part. It is not what I expected at all. Although with a title like Arboretum, maybe what I should have expected. So this one's a... Divided into two tracks, uh, just called Arboretum Part 1 and Part 2. Uh, the first track is a lot longer than the second one. It's maybe like 20, 22, 23 minutes. And then Part 2 takes up the rest of the album, which is a good like five, six minutes. So Part 1 is uh, mostly just a very mellow, clean, electric acoustic, nylon string guitar thing, which um, also has like this dark but rich keyboard backing, which is not necessarily pads. I'd, I'd describe it more as like just ambient synth. Uh, maybe, no, not even ambient synth. Like it's just atmosphere for a lot of the time, which is really cool. And, uh, reminds me of a lot of like dark ambient type atmosphere stuff. Uh, that's not necessarily tonal, uh, in any major way. Um, some of it's really, uh, got like this, actually most of it has really nicely programmed, um, drums that are like, you know, have like brushes obviously programmed, but they sound very almost natural, except for the fact that they're pretty repetitious here. Um, at some point he begins layering two guitars. I think I'm about like five, maybe 10 minutes in. He starts layering two uh, nylon string guitars and they play off each other harmonically. A lot of times one will just play along, you know, like root chords, root notes with the bass while the other one does some more exploratory, more melodic, maybe finger picking stuff, stuff like that, or flat picking. There's a lot of finger picking and flat picking in this album, which I like. Um, I think he's both uh, great at both, uh, especially on nylon string guitar. So it's nice to hear both of those things coming in from him. There's some nice melodic exploration on the album. Um, but from the midpoint of the song, it's about 10 or 15 minutes uh, exploring very similar ideas, I'd say. And there's actually some a fair amount of repetition here. 
that I wouldn't say it gets monotonous, especially because this album is so calming and so chill. And so it's not like a metal album where you're, you're like, oh, he played that, you know, upbeat bluesy riff like three riffs ago. Um, it doesn't get that kind of monotonous, but it does get very almost meditative monotonous, which is fine for this kind of thing. And depending on what you're going for, maybe even intentional. But uh, it's still definitely, it doesn't seem to be thematic. And there weren't a whole lot of things in the song that really jumped out to me and like, oh, that's the main melody. Um, I, I definitely say it's good acoustic buckethead music. However, it is still a far cry from the acoustic majesty of an album like Electric Tears, Electric Sea, Softer Parts of Colma, stuff like that. You know, but it, it is good. It is good, and I like it. Um, it just doesn't quite live up to some of his stuff. But as a pike, as an acoustic pike, I think it's a pretty good acoustic pike. And I would actually recommend this one. I'd say it's a better than average, not great, but good. Good. Um, then the second uh, and last song, uh, it's, you know, significantly shorter. Uh, it's immediately a more upbeat song, starting with a uh, clean nylon string guitar as before, but with a much more driving and present drums uh, that are like constantly moving the song forward, giving it a good sense of pacing, good sense of rhythm, and much less sense of repetition like uh, the previous song. However, you know, being that this song is like a third of the length of that, of course, you're going to get away from the problem of repetition a little bit easier just because you're going to have to repeat things less times. So it's uh, I like this song a lot better than the first song. Definitely. Uh, the backing keys are also louder here and seem to be a lot more, uh, have a lot more focus on what they're doing. It's not just, you know, atmospheres. It's more like an instrument playing along with the rest of the music. Uh, there's really nice melodies throughout all this song. Um, and it definitely is a lot better than part one. So, uh, you know, if you're going to listen to this album, uh, if you just want to see what it's all about, I'd recommend listening to the second track. If you like that, maybe move to the first track. Um, or if you're really into Buckethead's acoustic stuff, I'd say this is actually just probably a pike for you. Um, you know, as I've probably said before, I've gone on the record. Uh, I think electric tears is my favorite Buckethead album. This is not my favorite type of pike. I, uh, I do prefer the manic types of pikes and the softer, full albums, I guess, when it comes to Buckethead. And so this is a lot of good elements that he employs uh, in those full albums, but it's still definitely a pike and definitely feels like a pike in both approach, you know, instrumentation, production, everything, basically. Um, overall, though, pretty, pretty good album. Pretty all right album. Um, as I said, it would make really great massage music. Um, maybe even have you know, nice music at volume one to help you drift off to sleep, something nice and ambient if, you know, you can kind of do that kind of thing. I can't really sleep as easily to, uh, like, instrumental music. I usually usually sleep a lot better to something, like, completely ambient, you know, like rain sounds or whatever. But, uh, you know, if, if, if something like this helps you, this might be a really nice sleep album. Overall, you know, better than average. Pretty much recommend. Yeah, why not? Recommend. All right, let's move on. Uh, next Pike we had this week, uh, Pike 316, like Austin 316. You know what Austin 316 says? It says, I just whooped your ass. I just whooped your ass. Anyway, Pike 316, Angel Wings, released on June 18th, 2022, just four days after Arboretum. 
And I will say, this does not feel like it was made in four days. I could definitely not make this album in four days. Um, this one's divided into five different tracks, uh, spelling out Wings, W-I-N-G-S. Uh, I like to believe this is a tribute album in a way to um, Wings, the, uh, you know, basically the 1990s Cheers in an Airport starring uh, Steven Weber, Tony Shalhoub, Thomas Hayden Church. I guess I don't know. There was there was a bunch of people on there. I don't remember, but uh, Wings was a show. I can definitely say that it was a show that was definitely very syndicated, always on the USA Network. Thank you, Wings. Anyway, going back to this album, um, it uh, starts with W, track one, and it is an absolute metal ripper from the very start. That breaks into a wild solo and then just kind of stops, and then it morphs into a funky blues metal jam. And then right then, guess what? Wild effects-laden metal. And then into something completely different. This is definitely one of those very, as I previously mentioned, Mescatonic Scale, Roller Coaster Track Repair, Jeopardy Backwards, Rooster uh, Coaster, one of those types of albums. Um, just a bunch of really cool experiments, you know, mashed up together in a way that actually flows. Uh, and as you may know, these are my favorite types of pikes. And in my opinion... Uh, Buckethead is at his best and at his Pike best specifically and most interesting and perhaps most Buckethead form on these Pikes speci specifically. Cause you know, there's really nobody making music like this and I really like this music. Um, and I like him making this music and he makes it incredibly uniquely. So I say, keep going on this. Um, love this type of Pike. So moving on, uh, track two, I, uh, it flows in seamlessly from the last song, uh, much like all these albums do, basically. It's kind of just one big song, almost arbitrarily split up, but you can kind of see where he's getting them because it kind of slows down at points, but the everything is stop and go so much that like if he stops and then just hits go again at the beginning of the next track, it just kind of feels like it's still in the same song because everything does have that uh, that continuity of stop and go, you know? So I flows in seam seamlessly from W uh, with the keyboards playing seamlessly, though um, his buckethead kind of gets a little heavier uh, before going straight up wacko mode again and doing some insane effects tapping and nubbing before going into some soundtracky metal that sounds definitely like from a video game or something. Uh, the bass is noticeably on this album, uh, although a lot of the time it's just playing accents and root notes. So I'm almost certain it's not Dan Monty, and if it is, I'm pretty sure it's Dan Monty programming it. About halfway through the song, there's legitimately like 10 seconds of what can really only be categorized as black metal, which Buckethead has done like once before, um, and I thought it was pretty cool before, and here it was very cool, and I was like, is that, what? And that was pretty sick though, like, you know, uh, yeah, Buckethead, Buckethead should play more extreme metal. I would love to hear his take on more death metal, more black metal, grindcore, whatever. Uh, Buckethead needs more blast beats. You know, I, I say we start the campaign, give Buckethead blast beats. Anyway, there's a ton of the drums just kind of doing random fills uh, while the guitar freaks out in this song. A couple places, actually. Uh, it eventually comes back together into a big melodic riff and then turns into a bluesy alt metal riff. Um, overall, this song is pretty cool. You know, it's, it's unfocused, but focused and it's unfocused. You know, it's a very buckethead, uh, ADHD anthem is what I'd say. 
And that's what I like. I think I might have ADHD. If I do, it's undiagnosed. We'll see someday. Who cares? Maybe we won't. Anyway, speaking of letters like AD and HD, next song, N. This this one's about the N-word. No, it's not. It's definitely not about the N-word. Don't quote me on that. Don't cancel me, please. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, N uh, flows in seamlessly from the last song, just like the one before it. Uh, This time with a clean part that pretty uh, quickly goes into a blues, funk, metal kind of thing. Um... Of course, from here, it goes into a big solo-y, you know, doodly-doodly-doo thing, but uh, then pretty quickly into a a clean, cool string-skipping thing with a lot of space to it. A little over a minute in, he goes into a random drum and guitar shredding thing where it's just the drums doing random fills and him doing, like, really fast guitar, which is probably, like, my least favorite part of these things. Like, sometimes he does some really cool licks and runs and stuff like that, but, you know, I'd like... I'd honestly like the solos in here to be more like solo sections, you know, like he like stops from run riff and just goes into like a cool guitar backing track and solos over it for like a few times and goes back in. But most of the solo on on here is more randomized and it's just like one part stops and then the drums just do like some random stuff as the guitar just does some random stuff, which is fine. But a little over a minute in uh, he does the, you know, random guitar drum thing. Not a huge fan. It's whatever. Uh, but then after that, he goes into a fairly typical buckethead blues metal thing, which is fine. I don't love the blues metal. Don't love the blues alt metal, which seems to be almost the core of what buckethead does, but, uh, it is what it is. Uh, he does quite a bit in the song, like a weird solo back into a blues metal thing and the back into a weird soloing thing. It's all right, but not my favorite approach to this kind of song and this kind of album. And in as much, I'd actually say this is um, this is like, but below average when it comes to the Mescatonic scale, roller coaster, track repair, Jeopardy backwards, rooster coaster, whatever type albums. It's good, but not great like a few of those are. Um, he does, you know, a few more things. He kind of uses the grab bag approach, all sorts of different themes and riffs and genres mashed up together. Uh, it's a little more focused, this song, than the previous two in a blues metal direction, which is fine. But as I said, not my favorite thing. It reminds me a lot of, like, Guns N' Roses. That's kind of a big thing they do. And so, <coughs> you know, there's better ways of doing it. Uh, like the song G. Uh, so we have a G and an N song on this album. No R. So GN, no R. So almost a Guns N' Roses album. Um, so track G runs in seamlessly from the last song again on something of a blues riff that becomes something that's, um, I would actually say kind of, it sounds like a who riff, the who, you know, kind of a simple thing, but still like really catchy, real melodic. It's got a classic vibe to it. Pretty catchy, pretty fun. Could, you know, really shine with vocals, I think. Uh, then Buckethead breaks into some interesting string skipping stuff. Um, and then does some crazy shred solos. Like the shred solos in this song are fucking nuts. I would probably recommend this song off the album more than anyone. Although the whole album is actually pretty cool. There's a pretty fun part right after that where he's just playing a really fun riff with a bunch of effects. And that's all good. Uh, then some more nubbing. Uh, then the last half of the song slows down for a good bit um, before drinking a Red Bull and getting absolutely wild near the end. Like, he goes buck wild at the end of this song. So, overall, I'd say this is probably the most manic song on the album, and kind of the most uh, true to form for this type of album. I definitely recommend G. G is a sick-ass song. 
really fun. Then the last song on the album, we have S. So S starts out on a really eerie, mostly clean riff with just a ride cymbal uh, until it just like busts in with a huge melodic riff. Follows kind of a similar formula to the other songs in that it doesn't have a formula. It's just idea after idea after idea after idea with occasionally um, rare repetition. Like it happens, but it's not all the time. Some riffs are brought back in the song from earlier songs, which is kind of fun. And uh, it almost makes it like it's playing like themes, almost like a classical music. Like this whole thing is a big, I don't know, or, uh, uh, classical piece, orchestra. What do you call this? Whatever. A fucking classical piece. It sounds like a, sounds like a fucking symphony. Symphony. That's, that's what I'm looking for. It's like he's bringing back different themes, like in, in a symphony, you know, you play, mm, a bunch of different things with a bunch of different themes. And then usually at the end, you get like a medley of like all the different themes you've heard before and through lines and stuff like that. You know, it's storytelling through music. And I think, you know, that's what Buckethead is trying to do a lot of the time is tell a story through music. And I think that's a lot of what these pikes are is him telling just like little stories about little rides or little things he thinks about. And I really like these little stories he tells that are just like super manic, super off the rails. They tell a story of a crazy ride with a lot of twists and turns. And, um, you know, that's what I like when I go to a theme park. And that's what I like when I go to Buckethead Land. Lots of twists and turns and a crazy, crazy manic ride with big drops. It makes me want to throw up, but only just a little, just a little nauseous on this ride but in a good way. Overall, this one's definitely my favorite pike for the week. Uh, this one meshes with me real well. This is the exact type of pike I like, although I feel like it's not the best execution of it. It's still a pretty cool pike. I like it. <coughs> All right. Moving on. Pike 317. Live Feathers, released on June 21st, 2022. Just three days after Angel Wings. Makes me wonder if uh, Live Feathers, uh, the, right after Wings, if there's supposed to be some kind of companion album or something. So this one is separated into six tracks, which are more, I mean, not more or less equal. There's some like three minute tracks, some eight minute tracks, but you know, there's no track on here that really dominates most of the album or the plurality of the album, really. And uh, so this one's interesting. It's uh, six different tracks, and I'll read you the track listing here. First one we have is Jordan Live. This is a live album all the way entirely, uh, which, you know, you might have gotten from the title Live Feathers. But uh, first track is Jordan Live, uh, and he's already released uh, Jordan Live on Warp Threads Pike 294. Weird. Next track is Welcome to Buckethead Land, which, oddly already released a version of it on Pike 293, Oven Mitts. Next is Soothsayer, which he already had a version of on Pike 293, Oven Mitts. Huh. Next track is Toy Store, which he already had a version of on Oven Mitts, Pike 293. Huh. Then we have Ghosts of Broken Eggs, which he already had a version of on Pike 293 of Inmits. And the last song is For Nerequats Meek, which he has not had on Life Pike so far. So <clears throat> we get one track here that is new to a pike, and it's not really. 
Um, you know, I've gone on record before. I'm not a fan of the live pikes and I don't know what I'm going to do with the show being that in the last month or so, Buckethead has released like 20 live pikes. And so if I keep, if I just stop and don't really do the live pikes, I've got two or maybe three episodes left to do before I actually catch up with Buckethead. If not, I'm just going to like keep going and he can just keep releasing like a new live pike every week. And I'm just going to be stuck listening to different versions of the same Buckethead song week after week after week, which if you want to listen to, you know what? I'll do it. I don't give a fuck. Like it's, you know, this, the show more than anything, it's just a medium for me to just fucking bullshit on a microphone. Um, but as, uh, I don't know, man, I, I don't know if I want to do that. I'll be honest. I don't know if I want to dedicate at least an hour and a half. Usually I sit here like and take, you know, live notes. So, you know, I don't have two hours to just listening different versions of the same buckethead songs every week. Cause you know, I looked at some of them. He is releasing some new songs here and there, but a lot of the live stuff he's releasing is mostly like grave hit, uh, graves hits, gravest hits. That'd be kind of cool. Actually. No. Um, they're like greatest hits kind of, you know, he probably a grab bag of like 20 different songs that are everyone's favorites. You know, you got your Jordan buckethead land, soothsayer, Colma, uh, you know, hold me forever. Probably. Uh, I love my parents, you know, just the grab bag of the buckethead songs that everyone requests that are on everyone's top 10 lists, all that shit. The ones, you know, he's mostly playing the top 20 buckethead live songs, that, you know, when you search up Buckethead live on YouTube that you see, um, that's fine. You know, there's, there's a market for that, but doing it repeatedly, I don't know if I love that idea. And I especially don't know if I'm going to enjoy or find any sort of pleasure or interest out of doing that every week for months, you know, cause he's, you know, he's got 20 some, Live pikes at this point. Actually, you know what? Let me let me see exactly how many live pikes he has at this point. So um, we've got. So I, I've listened to three so far. Besides that, he has three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen. Eight, uh, he has twenty more after this. So twenty-three altogether. So you know, I can do I can do essentially twelve twelve a month. So. If he keeps releasing them, it's going to be more than two months. But as it sits right now, I'm looking forward, looking forward. I'm not looking forward to seven weeks of listening to almost nothing but live Buckethead. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I, I guess I'll, I'll burn that bridge when I get to it, but I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it all. I might ask on the Patreon, like what y'all think I should do. I'd be happy. You know what I think I should do? Uh, although I'm, I am committed to the three at a time thing. When I get to those live albums, I might just take a day and listen to every single one of them and do a review on all of them in one big sweep. Cause I'm sure I can do that. There can't be so much, you know, variability and shit that I'm constantly surprised by each one. I'm like, Oh no, 
this is the the ultimate version of this song every time I listen to one of these bikes. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I will just say though, Buckethead, if you're listening, eh, do, do you got a man? Like, you know, do you gotta, it's, it's fine. I get it. This is for somebody. Somebody's going to enjoy it. I get releasing all the live stuff you want to at some point, but I don't know. It's individual pikes. It, it almost waters down, I think, and cheapens the rest of the pikes releasing so many live pikes, especially in a row. You know, you'll release fucking four, five, six, seven, eight live pikes in a week. I'm just like, you know, that's, that's watering down the alcohol, man. I feel like it makes everything less as strong. It could make everything, you know, all the good ones better by comparison, you know, peaks and valleys theory, but still it's like, eh, nah, not my favorite. Anyway, oh, there's my phone. What, uh, what does my phone have to say? Oh, shit. Looks like uh, I got some new stickers in. Wonder, wonder what stickers those are. Oh, I think I think I got some bong stickers in. So uh, I'm going to sell some bong stickers. Everyone likes a bong sticker, right? That's always fun. Anyway, going back to this album, Live Feathers, Pike 217. Um, <clears throat> it's a live album. We've heard live versions of all these songs multiple times, with exception of For New Cosmique. Which is pretty good, I guess. Uh, although, you know, it's live. Um, this is, I will say, a much better recording than his previous live albums, which I think were like recorded on a phone. However, it's not great in its recording. It's fine. It's fine, for sure. But it still does have a very live, not taken off the board kind of sound, but it almost sounds like it was recorded with maybe two sure SM57s. Um, like one on the cab, one for room noise, and then, you know, just the direct in fucking drums and bass that he's playing from a, um, from an iPod or something. And so it doesn't, it doesn't suffer from, I think the previous two pikes might've actually had live drums and with live drums, when recording from a single source, you're always going to encounter a lot of problems with plosives and, you know, mostly, I, I mean, and one thing I like about plosive is when you say plosive into a microphone, it explains exactly what a plosive is. You know, it's a, it's a sound that because of the way it comes off your lips, like, you know, it, it actually causes, uh, a spike, which might not be a distortion analog or digital within, um, audio. However, it kind of almost takes that form because it is so much louder than everything else surrounding it. So the way, you know, audio records and the way compression works plosives uh, dominate other sounds. And so if two people are talking back and forth and I'm, I'm saying a lot of words with, P, you know, it's going to drown them out much like hitting a snare drum, which has lots of natural plosives. And really every drum has its natural plosives, but things like snare drums definitely like crack through and, and go through the frequencies of everything else. And if you're recording on a single source, it's going to pick that up over everything else and everything sounds kind of bad. So <clears throat> this obviously though has, uh, you know, if not just a single source, at least it has a better source. Um, and so it's at least recorded like stereo or something like that. And it's, it's, it's fine. The, the recordings sound pretty good for live and these are all pretty good rend live renditions of the songs. Um, and they're, they're competent. Um, but it's just like, you know, live instrumental music is not the easiest thing to keep your attention in the first place. 
uh, especially when it's a guy playing to uh, like an iPhone or like iPod backing tracks. It's fine, but it's not impressive. And it's more just, you know, him doing guitar stuff, which if you're just going to mess around on the guitar, I kind of, I kind of prefer you do it in the studio buckethead. So there's really only one element of the music that's being played live, and so only one element of the music that's in any way impressive, and it's an element people like to hear better on recording usually, so I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. Probably my, I mean, definitely my least favorite Pike of the Week. Um, You know, as I said, I'm conflicted about live Pikes. But, you know, it's Buckethead's thing, and as... We say, it's Bucket of Ted's music. He can do whatever the fuck he wants with it. And that is the Pikes for the week. With that, would y'all like to come on a journey with me? We're going to take a journey into the Bucket Void. Oh my God, here we are. We're here in the bucket void. It's a little clammy this week, isn't it? Anyway, here's the bucket void. This is the part of the show where I go ahead and I read comments uh, from the pikes we listened to this week on YouTube. And, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a good, good fun time with that. So let's, uh, let's dive, let's dump right in. We've got, uh, let's go to the comments on the first pike we listened to this week, Pike 315 Arboretum. So... This one was released very recently, fucking about three, four months ago. So we have a lot of comments from very recently. First off, we have Stefano Roveto, obviously very Italian, says three months ago, I'm listening this pearl while writing in my hood. I feel the calm and wisdom in the trees and the music. Thanks for all. I make the pizza. He didn't say make the pizza. I'm just throwing that in. That's what I call an ad lib, uh, or as uh, the Italians call it, ad lib. Um, anyway, um, yeah, cool. I guess this is good writing music. Um, writing in your hood. Wisdom of the trees. Cool, Stefano. Next we have Crayhead. It says three months ago, Crayhead. They're obviously crazy. So let's go here. <laughs> Fucking beautiful! It will be played at my funeral with Pikes 17, 78! Uh, Pikes 17 and 78. I actually don't remember what Pikes 17 and 78 are. Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a look here. So, 78 uh, is going to be Pike 78. Oh, yeah, so that's the one that's, like, dedicated to his mother uh, that uh, happened right after his mother died. And then 17 is the Spirit Winds. I do remember that. Spirit Winds is very good. Um, personally, uh, when thinking of, you know, what pikes I'd like played at my funeral, um, I'm definitely going to have to uh, go with Pike 13, uh, the one dedicated to Buckethead's dad, uh, you know, with the only picture of Buckethead he's ever released with him without his mask on the cover. So... I think that's just a beautiful, ambient, very chill, very melancholy, but beautiful kind of pike. Um, I mean, more so, I, I probably wouldn't like a pike played at my funeral. I'd, I'd probably want something more like Electric Tears if you're playing any Buckethead. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, 
I do like those albums a lot. So, you know, good, good choices, Grayhead. Uh, those are very soaring guitar type albums. And, uh, I'd say good choices if you're, if you're choosing something for a funeral. Next, we have Grey Den's Katzosh. Grey Den's Katzosh. Probably German Katzosh. Here we go. Uh, uh, three minutes is okay, but to do the same melody without highlights is too long. I'm not sure he is even playing this, and I know what I am talking about. What? I'm not sure he is even playing this, and I know what I'm talking about. All right. Who, who's playing this? I don't understand this comment at all. This is obviously guitar played by a person, and that person's obviously Buckethead. I don't think you know what you're talking about, Grey Den's Catstosh. Maybe go fuck yourself, Grey Den's, you piece of shit. You're a dumb, ignorant idiot. You're all fucked up. You fucked up. You fucked up, Great Ends. Next, we have The Chance. The Chance says three months ago. The title is very meaningful since I got married at an arboretum, assuming it means like a nature field or lack of better word. Bucket, you the best. Okay, okay, The Chance. Let's break down the word arboretum. Because you seem to think it means nature field for lack of a better word. So, let's look at the etymology of the word arboretum here. So, one thing I can tell you is arbor is Latin for trees. It's not a nature field. There's not usually a bunch of trees in a field. Uh, Edom means a place for, a place with. So, Arboretum in Latin, in Latin, literally translates to a place with trees. I guess it's a nature field, but fields usually don't have trees. So, it's not, it's more like a fucking forest. What do you mean, lack of a better word? Yeah, you have the lack of a better word. You don't even have the right word. It means a very specific thing, and you're wrong, the chance. You took a chance, and you failed. Fuck you, chance. Fuck you, chance! Moving on. Robert Revis says, three months ago, Beautiful song, Bucket. You can make the guitar happy. Sad. Sing. Cry. Scream. And create an abyss of endless thought. Beautiful. Thank you, Robert Revis. That was great. I, if I were him, I'd go by Bobbert Beavis. How about you? Yeah, you do that too? Thanks, listener. Next we have, maybe a listener, maybe someone who's listening right now. Um, friend of the show, Jason Evans, says three months ago, edited. Been a while since B busted out the nylon string acoustic and dropped a beautifully mellow ambient pike. Thanks for all the recent rapid fire uploads, which is a thanks to... um. The, the more recent, uh, so for some reason, uh, the two people we have always historically listened to and taken comments off of their pages, um, Poly Poly 8 and Humano Being, just kind of stopped posting Buckethead stuff, um, probably like a year or two years ago. Like, we don't really know what happened to them, but they really just haven't been active at all. And uh, some people wonder if maybe one of them actually became 
uh, Buckethead Archive, which is where basically all the Buckethead stuff is posted now and where I take it from. Um, but no one's no one knows for sure. Um, but thank you very much, uh, Buckethead Archive, because, yeah, you have been great about uploading stuff like as soon as it comes out. And Buckethead has just been like dumping live stuff lately. So, you know, great job. Awesome job. Uh, I also happen to know that Buckethead Archives, uh, like on their banner, has something about like trans rights, and uh, we definitely support that on this podcast. Fuck yeah. Thank you, Buckethead Archive. Trans rights are human rights. Buckethead rocks. All right. Moving on, and uh, going to be the last comment on Pike 315 Arboretum. Mr. Hyde says three months ago, Back at hell, there is proof that the most amazing thing on this planet can only exist once and never again. Just so grateful to share these times with him. Praise the Lord. I mean, I guess, I guess so. That's something interesting. I feel like Buckethead has never really gotten religious at all. Um, never really mentions God, Jesus, anything. Think about that. I wonder why that is. I, I, I assume Buckethead is very atheist, um, being, you know, given who he surrounds himself with, but you never know. You never know. So that is a uh, Pike 315. Let's move on to the next Pike in the Bucket Void. We have Pike 316, Angel Wings. All righty. So let's start out with uh, Tyler says three months ago, edited. I have a bucket on my head. Excellent, Tyler. That's the best way to listen to this. Although, don't let it cover your ears. Um, all right. Next, we have uh, something I should probably look up. Okay, so Kelly Ford says three months ago, the most well-put-together and modern-sounding Richard Brandson album I've ever heard uh now richard brandson i don't know who that is i thought it was richard brand i thought they were talking about richard branson at first um who is uh you know the, the guy who started virgin music um let's see richard branson music let's let's search this up here i i have no, this doesn't exist. I don't think this person exists. Richard Branson actually has lots of music. I cannot find Richard Branson anywhere. Kelly Ford, you have a lot to answer for. What the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, let's move on. Mark Killen says, three months ago, Beckethead. Definitely played in Guns and Roses and sounds like Mr. Bungle mashup. Okay. I mean, no. I mean, I, I guess I get the like the Mr. Bungle thing and I get the, the Guns and Roses thing because there's a lot of like bluesy riffs in uh, Pike 316 Angel riffs, like bluesy rock, bluesy metal, and it's very manic, like Mr. Bungle or Phantomos or basically, you know, half of the bands that fucking um, Mike Patton played in. But it's, I mean, I guess I get it. I'll, I'll give, I'll give you that more killing. That's fine. You can take, you can have that one. <clears throat> so after that, we have 
Funkadelic Sun Wizard says three months ago, I feel like I've been beheaded for the 316th time. Which, um, I gotta say, beheaded is probably the only better name for this podcast I've ever heard. Um, and actually, it makes me rethink all of my decisions. Like, when I first came up with getting head a bucket cast, I'm like, that's pretty brilliant. But honestly, like, beheaded? Maybe better. Like, be apostrophe headed. Incredible. Like, I love that. I, um, I want to use that. But I'm not going to. It's too late. It's too late now. We're over, we're over two years in. We're two years in. Fuck this. Anyway, next we have uh, Greg... Hyacinth says three months ago, I like this one even more so than Roaster Coaster. What an epic twisted space journey this pike is. Love it. Uh, no, no, I don't like this one as much as Rooster Coaster. Uh, I, I get that though. Like if you like the more bluesy type rock stuff, this, this one's definitely up your alley. It's, um, you know, enjoy that one, Greg. All right. Next, we uh, next we have a couple couple things in a row here. We got uh, two little threads. Oh no, just one thread. I guess. Um, so we have Belial, Lord of Darkness from the Diablo games. One of the Lords of Darkness uh, says, uh, "This is terrible. Buckethead is not a good guitarist." And uh, Wasinet says right after that, "How did you end up here then?" Then Christopher Antoni says to that, Maybe they were being sarcastic. And then John Cornell says after that, You are right, Belial. BH is not good. He is extraordinary. Um, so first off, Belial's totally wrong. I, I hope he was joking. Or like, doing that, he's not good, he's great thing. Because like, this, this album obviously shows he's beyond a competent guitarist and songwriter and is just on another plane of thinking about music than a lot of people are at this point. So, you know, Belial, go fuck yourself. Cool name, I guess, but go fuck yourself. All right, next we have a comment from Carpenter Joe. Carpenter Joe says, three months ago, Man, some of the layered riffs are of a sound quality I haven't heard from Bucket in a long time. Almost Pepper's ghost quality. Beautifully. Yeah, yeah, there are some actually really good layered riffs on this album. I don't I don't disagree with that. Overall, like I don't love a lot of the riffs because they're so bluesy, but okay. If you like them, you like them. Go for a Carpenter Joe. Friend of the cast, Jason Evans, it says three months ago. Melodic lifts abound, but magic happens when Bucket goes full unhinged and tosses aside conventional rules of modern music composition. Couldn't agree more, Jason. I, uh, that's uh, beautifully put. Yeah, I love when Buckethead is like, you know what? Uh, fuck songwriting. Like, I'm just going to play a thing and then play another thing and then play another thing and another thing and we'll see how it works out. I really like it. All right, so next we have Computer Android. It says three months ago. Yeah, thanks, Buckethead. Amazing. Phenomenal. First track is nuts. Amazing. Okay, I don't think he's an android. I don't think an android would like talk like that. I don't. I, I just don't think an android would really use exclamation points unless it was like to actually alert somebody to something. 
And there's a lot of exclamation points here. So I don't, I don't know about that. All right. So last comments on uh, this album, Pike 316. It's going to be Vivimos en una sociedad. Um, in Espanol, that means we live in a society. You know, we're living in a society. And uh, they say, why are all of these comments so damn awful? It appears as if only 70-year-olds commented on this video. Which I got to say, uh, if any 70-year-olds comment on a video on YouTube, literally every single time, the first sentence is always, I am 70 years old, and that's how it always starts. So I know for sure there are no 70-year-olds on here. So uh, get fucked. Vivimos en una sociedad. All right, let's move on here. So, oh boy, we are going to move on to uh, Pike 317 Live Feathers. Now, let's start out with uh, Vivimos en una sociedad, our last commenter from last one, which means, once again, we live in a society. You know, we're living in a society. He says, they say, I think this is his best live pike yet. Fine, whatever. I mean, yeah, sure. It is actually his best live pike yet uh, out of three so far. Yeah, but still, whatever. So, um, Next, we have uh, something from Fiabo Pat, Par, uh, F- Fabio Padar, Padrats. Padrats? Fabio Padrats. So this guy is obviously like Italian, right? Um, but like Fabio Italian, not like Mario Italian, not make it the pizza pie. Like I make it the, I make it the love. So Fabio says no words to describe his work, his talent, his dedication, his music. This guy is just unbelievable. Thank you, Fabio. He definitely is unbelievable. Uh, next, uh, let's, let's do a, do a thread here. This one's actually pretty fun. So, we're going to start with a comment by Robert Marin MK. I bet I bet that's Mortal Kombat. He just says, um, Is this real life? Every week a new pike. Awesome. Uh, and Death Cube K says in response to that, not the real Death Cube K, not actually Buckethead, but says, Yeah, I wish he'd stop rushing these things out and work on an actual written album that's not just mashing a guitar for 30 minutes. Uh vivimos in una sociedad we live in a society did not like that uh and says man imagine getting an album every week and still complaining about it did you even listen to pike 315 uh and then the original commenter uh, robert marin mortal Kombat, says to death cube k i don't think these albums Sorry, different voice, whatever. I don't think these albums are rushed. I personally enjoy every release, especially the recent ones that have been more rhythmic, being much easier to play by ear when I play guitar. They are not so complex anymore, but I'm often happy about that. And uh, we have returning Funkadelic Sun Wizard says, I disagree. It's impossible that you've listened to every release that Buckethead has played, played on, work on your own career. I mean, it's definitely possible that you've done that. I'm close, Funkadelic Sun Wizard, and I've done countless hours of a podcast about it. Never doubt the length and breadth of someone's mental illness. No. Uh, All right, next we have um, 
Ronnie W says, uh, just in response to Robert Marin MK's original comment, I kind of wish he did another collab album like Enter the Chicken. That one had some great stuff on it. Or an album with Serge Tachyon as his vocalist especially surprised me on that album. Thankfully, uh, he is doing an entire album with that uh, Iranian vocalist as we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, Funkadelic Sun Wizard um, responds to Ronnie's thing about Serge Tachyon says, I agree. Sometimes I want to hear vocals or other music slash instruments with his playing, especially a vocalist like Serge. Yeah, that'd be cool. A lot of people wanted Surge. I get it. Surge is cool. All right. Uh, let's close out the bucket ho- void here. Last uh, comment on here. ZG says three months ago, not impressed at all. And uh, the Shinken man says in response to him, if you are impressed, just don't comment. Go find yourself another of 400 albums to be impressed by. I agree. He's got so much shit. Just don't, just move on. Move on, you know? I'm the only one who's actually forced to listen to all these albums. Move on, ZG. You don't have to do this. Only I have to do this. And with that, that's the motherfucking bucket void. Hey, all right. So that's, uh,. That's the fucking, that's it, I guess. So uh, we are to the point of the show where I like to recommend something. Um, And the thing I'm going to recommend this week is something that is incredibly bad, but I still definitely recommend it because it's bad in a hilarious, very fun to watch way. And that is going to be none other than the 1996 film, The Phantom, uh, starring Billy Zane. Uh, It's also directed by a guy named Simon Winsor, who is best known for directing Free Willy, Lightning Jack, starring Paul Hogan, Operation Dumbo Drop, and Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. So a double Paul Hogan director, Free Willy director, right in between Operation Dumbo Drop and Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Studio calls him up. Hey, you want to fucking do an adaptation of The Phantom? He's like, who the fuck is The Phantom? And they're like, you know, Lee Falk's comic from 1936, from 60 years ago. People still like that. Oddly enough, Falk was still alive and writing The Phantom up until 1999. So he was writing the, you know, he was still alive and got to sell the rights right before he died. So this movie's fucking awful. Uh, it's just terrible. It's it's one of the cheapest looking, like, superhero, I guess, movies I've ever made. The Phantom's costume is hilariously bad. And it's about, like, this really bad mystical plot that almost reminded me of, like, Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull, but worse and with pirates and like a evil businessman and takes place in like the 1930s and everything is terribly out of place, terribly out of time. Um, I will say though, the, uh, the main villain, uh, Xander Drax played by treat Williams is a real treat. Williams. Um, he's very entertaining to watch hams it up a lot. 
I actually just had a good old time watching the film and I'd recommend it to you. It's fucking dumb. It's, uh, it's really bad, but really funny. Um, and if you like, you know, bad, good films, hit that one up. And you know what? With that recommendation, I think it is time. I think it is time for the part of the show where I tell the jokes. Here are some bucket jokes for you. Bucket joke. Oh boy. Bucket joke time. Here we go. I installed a new light switch in my room. It's frankly shocking how poorly I grounded it. When you think about it, hospital birth videos are just incredibly messy unboxing videos. You'd think I ran a pickle bread factory with the amount of dildos I have. Dill. Dose. Exhibitionists have wet dreams where they show up to class naked. I just found out my parents gave me what may be the worst genetic condition of all. Consciousness. I can't stop watching classic educational PBS cartoons. I think I'm suffering from arthritis. I really didn't like these herpes sores at first, but I have to admit, they are growing on me. My buddy told me that if you microwave a jar of almond butter, it feels just like a pussy. And I told him he's fucking nuts. I was wondering what a good soap to wash my dishes would be, but then it dawned. That's a joke about dawn. Soap. The soap joke. You're welcome. <laughs> you had to make up a bath... No, oh, I fucked that one up. If you had to make a bath bomb on the fly... Is that a bath IED? Hey oh! All right, so now it's going to be the part of the show where uh, I tell bad jokes from the internet. I just scour the internet, mostly Reddit, and uh, look on their joke forums and find the most downvoted things on there. And, um, and just other jokes I just don't get in any context. And I see if there's any actually funny jokes in there. And If so, I put them on my hall of shame for the very end. So... Let's get into some bad jokes that no one likes. Here we go. First one. I want a cat called Buffy and a dog called Leave Buffy. If I had a dollar for every girl that said I was attractive, I'd still be flat broke. Employing the lotus position whilst sitting in the strawberry preserves is a case of fruit on the bottom yoga. You can't spell adieu without die. It's the end of an era for this iconic cell phone. Blackberried. That was as subtle as a purple unicorn with a chainsaw super glued to its pointed spiraling horn. I knew a whore in Philly with a glass eye. She would pop it out and wink guys off for a dollar. That's actually pretty good. I, 
I like winking guys off. That, okay, I'm keeping that one. That one's going in the Hall of Shame. Um, so I went to a touch a truck event, but the truck didn't like where I touched it. Um, I've been to Georgia, but never to Georgia. All right. And here's the last one. Probably the worst bad joke ever. Um, I'm so fat. People call me Mr. Atrick or Barry for short. Barry Atrick. What? I'm so confused there. Anyway. Let's move on. Here's my hall of shame. Here's the bad jokes that I found that are actually good jokes that I enjoy. First one, the one we just heard. I knew a whore in Philly with a glass eye. She would pop it out and wink guys off for a dollar. Next we have, if a vampire could ejaculate, I call him Draculator the Ejaculator. The Twin Towers didn't really stand the test of time. A criminal can never swim because he's sin king. He's like the king of sin. Two women walked out of a library. They cleaned it so well. Kurt Cobain received mind-blowing head on April 5th, 1994. And finally, here's the last one. A man walks into a stable, and the horse says, Hey, why the small cock? Ha, 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 joke! Hey, that's the whole fucking show, everybody. Thanks for, uh, thanks for bearing with me on my second solo show. This one was a lot easier. In fact, this one was one of the easiest shows I've ever done. Weird. Maybe I should just start doing a solo show. I don't know. If you think I should, tell me. If not, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's it. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, before we end though, let's give a Patreon shout out, uh, cause we haven't done one of those in an episode or two. So, um, if you want to get on our Patreon, by the way, uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash dumb idiot BS. Uh, we are on the dumb idiot bullshit podcast network, and that is our landing page. Uh, so let's go ahead and give a huge shout out to the people in a $5 or more a month tier. We got Dan Morrison. Thank you very much, Dan. We got Dylan Lance. Thank you so much, Dylan. Ian Killia. Thank you so much, Ian. Devin Saturnus and our newest addition from Canada, Mr. Jordan Hale or Mrs. Jordan. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I misgendered you. I don't, I don't know. you I I apologize. Jordan Hale. Thank you, Jordan Hale. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and once again, if you want to check us out on Patreon, uh, support both of our shows and whatever we decide to do in the future, uh, and also get our merch for at cost. That's right. At cost, super cheap merch. Like literally, if you want some of our merch, it is cheaper to, to be a $5 a month, uh, Patreon subscriber and buy one of the shirts from me directly than it is to just order one of the shirts from soytrek.com. So think about that. If you want cheaper merch, subscribe to our Patreon. Just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. 
Anyway, uh, you can find me at that Patreon uh, or, you know, all of our socials are at a bucket cast on pretty much every social media site, uh, except for TikTok. Fuck TikTok. Uh, we don't do that. So, uh, yeah, just uh, reach out to me on there or uh, find me at Doc, uh, Dog Vorbis or Soy Trek, most places. I'm all over the internet. Or, you know, look up Britain Ryan Straw. You can find lots of ways to find me. I don't care. Find me. Stalk me. You know what? Take pictures of me naked while I'm sleeping. I don't care. Still, I'm on the internet. Weird old perverts. I've already done it. You know, they probably already have better pictures. So, fucking, I've already cut you out of that whole thing. Fuck you. Anyway, I have been Britain, and I have been Britain, and this has been Britain Ryan Straw, and this has also been Gettin' Head, a bucket cast. Thanks for hanging with us. Stay greasy, bucketheads. Namaste.